Chapter Twenty Three of A Girl of High Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annie Mars. A Girl of High Adventure, Chapter Twenty Three, The Glorious Softness of Ireland. Little Margot soon settled down into the life she loved best. Her object was to please her dear grandad. She was fond of her uncles and her old young aunts, and of dear stately little madam, but there was no one in all the world like the Desmond himself. In her sweet presence he became a sort of child again. He went out, holding her little brown hand, and although it was still too early in the year to gather many flowers, such as grew in profusion in the south of France, they did find wonderful mosses and the first sweet daring crocuses and snowdrops and even primroses. Margot used to pick them and bring them into Grandad's room and arrange them with her exquisite taste for his comfort and pleasure. Hitherto he had called flowers more or less rubbish, but now this human flower had taught him to love all the flowers and green things of the fields. The mosses, fructifying in their full perfection, delighted the old man as much as the child did. He polished up an ancient microscope, and they examined these treasures of nature together side by side. They did not want to talk about anything else while the beautiful mosses were in their bloom. The Desmond even went to the expense of getting high glass globes to cover the mosses, which caused them to grow up tall and strong, and the two, the old and the young child, felt the perfection of joy as they watched them. Oh, Grandad, you are so funny, said little Margot. Grandad replied by hip hip hurrah, errand go bra, the pushkeen forever. Her old young aunts were much entertained by Margot's devotion to the old man. They themselves considered it childish. They began to consider the Desmond in his dotage, whereas in reality he had never been so alive and so amusing. A little child was leading him, and surely there could be no safer guide to the kingdom of heaven. But happy days, even the happiest, come to an end. The season of the fructification of the moss was over, and Margot, now was fully engaged in filling Grandad's room with cowslips and bluebells and with beautiful large primroses in quantities. One morning she felt unusually wakeful and unusually happy. She had received quite a cheerful letter from La Belle Grammaire the night before. The établissement was flourishing and Madame could never forget her little Margot. The child was tired of staying in bed. The time was now in the middle of March and in this soft air of the country of Kerry, harsh winds were little known. And as to rain, what did a drop of rain matter? Nobody thought of rain in the county of Kerry. A fine, soft morning, they said to one another. A beautiful, soft morning entirely, they exclaimed, when the rain poured in sheets and torrents. Margot watched it from her window and felt a sudden, frantic desire to go out into this glorious softness. It would not do for Grandad, dear Grandad, but he should have his primroses and cowslips all the same. She put on a little old shabby frock 
and stepping softly she let herself out into the streaming pouring rain she had a tiny mackintosh which she slipped over her shabby frock she wanted the rain and the beautiful softness to wet her delicate jet-black hair and cause it to curl up tighter than ever she wore old galoshes a little too big for her on her feet she knew a certain spot beyond the grounds of the old estate where primroses and cowslips were growing she had seen them the day before with her clear black eyes but the place was too far off for grandad to walk she made for it now however her little basket on her arm after a time she found herself under the dripping trees how glorious was the wet softness of ireland was there ever such a place as erin surely surely never never and then she stooped down and began carefully to pick her primroses and cowslips laying them dripping wet as they were with delicate care into her little basket in the midst of her task she was arrested by the sound of voices who in the world could be out and near this spot of all spots early in the morning she gave a little sigh and stood upright leaning against the fir tree then she saw a sight which caused her small heart to beat her young old aunt nora was walking by leaning confidently on the arm of mr flanagan they were evidently too much absorbed with each other to take the least notice of the child margot earnestly hoped they would not stop she had no desire to act as an eavesdropper and yet she could not get away without being seen i'm a bit tired me honey said old young aunt nora let me lean on your shoulder vic there that's better shall we sit a while i'm not one for minding the damp being brought up in it so to speak eh but listen mavourin said the almost husky voice of flanagan you might catch the bitter cold me pretty pet and then where in the wide world would your samuel be why you'd be where you always were replied young old aunt nora but no i'd be in the cold grave said samuel flanagan do ye think i could live another minute without ye nora me bit thing this was too much for little margot she would not be an eavesdropper she must explain she came out from under the shelter of the fir tree and flinging the cowslips and the primroses into the lap of old young aunt nora she exclaimed i'm here and i know it's lovely to listen but i mustn't listen i'll leave you to yourselves i didn't think you two would take up silly at your age but i forgot you were young old and that sort does anything the two stared at her with their mouths open and manifest consternation in their faces is it talent ye are going to be said young old aunt nora to be sure not i've nothing to tell if i'd stayed a bit longer i might have heard more phineas did say to me once that you and himself there were familiar like but i didn't know what it meant and i don't know what it means now only that he calls you me honey and you stick to him in the dripping pouring rain well if you like it i don't care i'm going home no you are not said old young aunt nora you've heard too much and you shall hear the rest we are to be married me and this gentleman married cried little margot whatever is that 
"'My child, it is the gift of heaven,' said Samuel Flanagan. Margot raised her black eyes to the dripping skies. "'It seems to come down in a good pour,' she said. "'Still, I don't understand.' "'You know about Madame and your granddad,' cried young old Aunt Nora. "'To be sure, am I wanting in sense entirely? "'Well?' "'They're married, the same as will be very soon.' "'Oh, deary me!' cried little Margot. "'That does sound lovely. "'Only, you know, Mr. Samuel Flanagan, "'you haven't got the beautiful face of my granddad, "'so perhaps your little children won't be quite as lovely. "'I wonder how many you'll have. "'My old nurse at Uncle Jacko's said that when I cracked my fingers, "'every crack meant a wee babe. "'Shall I crack them now for you two? Oh, child, you are too awful, cried Aunt Nora, who found herself blushing in the most uncomfortable way. But Margot took no notice of the blush, nor did she observe that the Rev. Samuel Flanagan had moved a trifle out of hearing. Margot gravely cracked her fingers. After a time, she looked solemnly at young old Aunt Nora and said, You'll have ten. They'll come out of the hearts of cabbages, and I'll order them for you one at a time, if you like. I'll go straight home now and begin to make the baby clothes. Margot, you are the most awful pushkin in the wide world, said Aunt Nora. You have made himself feel so ashamed that he can't look me in the face. All because of the dear little babies, said Margot. I am more than surprised. Listen, exclaimed Nora, no young girl ever talks of those subjects before marriage. Don't she? But why? I thought it was so interesting. It isn't, Pushkin. It isn't done. Have you told Grandad yet that you are going to marry Mr. Flanagan? inquired Margot. No, we don't want him to know yet. It would spoil the fun, and dear Samuel is so sensitive. I suppose so. I never thought it before, but if he's frightened of a wee thing like a babe, he must be. But young old Aunt Nora, you ought to tell Grandad. I will, in good time, child, only it must be in my own way and in my own time. Samuel is the most blessed and holy man in the whole world. Well, I don't think he's quite that, for if he were, he wouldn't play games like Puss in the Corner and Round the Mulberry Tree and Blind Man's Bluff. And then, Aunt Nora, you can't call him handsome. His nose, it cocks right up and there's very little of it, and his mouth is so wide, and he has teeny eyes, and his head is getting bald. Do you want to marry a man with a bald head, Aunt Nora? I'll tell you how I found it out. I saw you and him and Aunt Bridget talking and laughing and giggling the other day, and I thought it wasn't to say, well, what old youngs did. You little prude, said Aunt Nora in an angry voice. Well, but it wasn't, old young Aunt Nora. You are not to call me old young. I won't have it. Well, old then. I'm not old. Whatever am I to call you, for you are not young. Bless the child, she'll break me to bits, said Aunt Nora. Pushkin, you don't know what you are talking of. I do. I know quite well. 
You sent me to your bedroom the other day, and I saw a very long plait of hair that wasn't yours lying on the dressing table. If you were young, the hair would sprout like bulbs out of your head, and on the day that I watched you and Aunt Brid and Mr. Flanagan playing in the garden, I thought I'd find out about him. So I got Joe, the garden boy, to fetch me a ladder, and he did so, and I climbed up and sat in the bough of the tree, and Samuel's hair was all bald on top. So you are neither of you young, and you oughtn't to pretend it is wrong. Oh, you are a dreadful, dreadful pushkin, said Aunt Nora, but I'll forgive you all your wild ways and tell you my little beautiful secrets if you promise not to say a word of this this meeting to my father nor my sisters nor my brothers margot was rather beguiled by the thought of being aunt nora's confidant i'll keep your secret as safe as safe as can be for one week she said you can tell him yourself there'll be only ten and that i my very self will pick them out of the choicest cabbages now good-bye i'd love to see you hugging each other and I'm sorry they won't be pretty, but you see, you aren't, and he isn't, and the cabbages are very particular whom they send the wee babies to. Well, I must be off. Little Margot rushed back to the house. She felt rather cold and chill. Aunt Nora's news by no means pleased her. She had never liked Mr. Flanagan, and she disliked him more than ever now. Still, she had promised to keep Aunt Nora's secret for a week. It was an awful burden on her little mind. Still, she must keep her word. The week went by, and after the first day, Margot began to enjoy herself. It was so very interesting to watch Mr. Flanagan blush. She had only to stare first at him, then at Aunt Nora, and behold, his entire face was crimson. She made little experiments with his blushes, and they succeeded to such an extent that the poor man was in agony. At last... Honora had to take her away and speak to her. "'Do you know, Pushkin,' she said, "'that you are making my Samuel very miserable?' "'I?' said Margot. "'I don't know what you mean.' "'Yes, but you are. You keep looking at him.' "'I can't help it. A cat may look at a king, Auntie Nora.' "'Yes, but a little girl ought not to make a very reverend and pious and good clergyman uncomfortable.' I never before thought he was reverend and pious, said Margot. Well, he is. He's a clergyman of the Church of Ireland. Do they all play puss in the corner? inquired Margot. Oh, you silly, silly child. Now I'm going to show you something. It's a great secret. You must keep it tight in your heart. I will, auntie. The week will be up tomorrow, remember? And I think I can bear an extra secret until then. Aunt Nora, first of all, walked to the door, which she locked. Then she unlocked a certain drawer in the chest of drawers and produced a little box with a jeweler's name on it. She opened it and showed Margot a small, very poor-looking ring. It was without precious stones and had a twisted knot in the middle. "'It's pretty,' said Margot dubiously. She knew good rings, having seen so many at Arles. "'Pretty, you little cat. It's lovely.' "'What does the twist mean?' asked Margot. "'That is a true lover's knot. "'This is my engagement ring. "'Dear Samuel went to Cork yesterday and bought it for me. "'Oh, Margot, when we are really married, 
live in a wee house of our own, and you shall come and see us, if only you promise not to talk about babies. Indeed, truly I won't, said Margot. I thought you'd like to have them, but you evidently don't. Will your house be very nice, Auntie Nora? It will be elegant, child, not a tumble-down place like this. There never was a place so perfect as Desmond Town, said Margot. Our little house won't be so big, but it will be sweet and fresh and pure, said Auntie Nora. I can't bear gourds of any sort. Can't you, Auntie? I should have thought you'd love them. You don't know me a bit, Margot. I always felt you didn't. Margot smiled faintly and was silent. After a very long pause, she said slowly, Thank you very much for showing me the ring. I hope you'll keep your word about telling Grandad tomorrow. We're going to tell Uncle Fergus, said Nora. He'll break the news to your grandfather. Oh, won't you tell him yourself? Yourselves, I mean. It sounds so... so... So what? exclaimed Nora. Sort of cowardly, said Margot. You have never seen my father in a passion, Pushkin. He'll be angry at a Desmond marrying a Flanagan. And he'll let his anger out and storm and rave, and poor Sam won't be able to bear it. It is best that Fergus should get the brunt of it. Are you quite, quite sure that is what you mean to do? asked Margot after a long pause. Well, perhaps, as you are both so finicky, I'd best do it for you. I'll talk to Uncle Fergus and get him to tell Grandad. I'm going to have a private talk with Uncle Fergus tonight. Shall I tell him about you and the holy saintly Mr. Samuel tonight, Aunt Nora? Well, to be sure, child, you have heart and a half. No, I have one half, and it's big. I can hold you two and your little ring and your mendous big secret. I think you are a nice little girl, said Nora. Well, tell him, but whatever you do, get him not to speak to my father till morning. Margot promised to obey. Just before dinner that evening, she asked Uncle Fergus to walk up and down the big picture gallery with her. All the best pictures had been sold long ago, but still there was one very precious Romney left. Also, a couple of Gainsboroughs, not at the great master's best, and several by unknown artists. Little Margot was very fond of creeping up to the picture gallery and looking at the Romney. It represented a little dark-eyed girl exactly like herself. She did not know the likeness, but everyone else remarked it. And the people of the neighbourhood invariably said, Oh, do, do look at the little Romney, when Margot and her grandfather passed by. Now she stood exactly under the picture, her dark eyes raised to the dark eyes of the little girl, who was holding an enormous bunch of cowslips in her hands. With all her likeness to Margot, she had not the fire of Margot in her small face. Still, Margot loved her because she was her very own, her own ancestress who had been born a Desmond at Desmond Town and had died before she was old enough to marry. So she is always a Desmond, said Margot, speaking as her custom allowed, and that in itself is beautiful. I'll run to her first when I get to heaven, even before I see dear Grandpa. I do love her always a Desmond, a Desmond up in heaven. 
She must be wonderfully happy. Oh, is that you, Uncle Fergus? Uncle Fergus joined the child. He put his arm around her slim little waist, and they both stood together and looked up at the picture. Do you love the Romney picture, Pushkin? he asked. Oh, Uncle Fergus, I just adore it. She must be so happy, never to have changed her beautiful name. She was your great-great-great-aunt, said Uncle Fergus. Her name was Kathleen Desmond, and your own mother was called after her. She died a year after that picture was taken. It is the most valuable thing we possess. If sold, it would fetch thousands of pounds. But I'm going to ask my father to give it to you for your very own, Margot. Oh, oh, are you, Uncle Fergus? But I couldn't sell her, you know. If I felt she was my own, I'd keep her forever and ever and ever. She is a part of me now. I love her so much. I don't want you to sell her, little one. Nor would the Desmond hear of it. She would not be yours as long as the Desmond lives. Then if he consents, we will settle her on you, as well as the dower. Not a dot. I hope not a dot, said little Margot. No, I said a dower. Well, that's all right. How I shall pet you and love you, great, great, great Aunt Kathleen Desmond. Even up in heaven where you are now, I'll see your face in the sky on starlight nights, looking down at me and smiling at me. Do you know, Margot, why I want to give you that picture? No, Uncle Fergus. You have a funny thought at the back of your head, but I don't know what it is, because you are like her, very like her. Am I? Am I truly? Why, she is quite beautiful. Well, never mind about that, child. You asked me to meet you here, and I have come. Have you anything to say? They are so frightened, poor things, said Margot, suddenly restored to the present. They haven't got my courage, nor her courage, nor your courage. So I thought that you and I had best help them. Who on earth are you talking about, Pushkin? He blushes so dreadfully, continued Margot. It's quite awfully painful. I keep looking away from him now to ease his mind a bit. I suppose he thinks Auntie Nora very beautiful, and she thinks him very holy. Who on earth... What do you mean, Pushkin? Well, Uncle Fergus, they've set it up, and you can't stop it. Because Auntie Nora says they are both of age. I'm certain sure they are, for I climbed up a ladder to see the bald spot on his head. It's Mr. Flanagan and Aunt Nora, and they are going to be married at once. Almost immediate. And you have got to tell the Desmond. She says she is not old young, but that she's young. I know quite well that she's only old young, but I don't talk of it. She's very happy, though, for she loves him. It seems a pity that God made him ugly, for she's not beautiful, and I don't quite like her taste. She's going to have a teeny house, and he has bought her a little engaged-up ring. It's a very poor sort of ring, really. Truly, but... Oh, she is proud of it. You will be kind to her, won't you, Uncle Fergus? Poor Aunt Nora. She thinks it is so more than lovely going to be married. I was frightened at first, thinking of their wee babies, but they don't seem to want to have babies. Uncle Fergus burst into a sudden laugh. He sat down on a tattered old seat and took Margot in his arms. You little blessed thing, he said. Don't whisper to anyone, Margot Astor. 
keep it tight within ye. Your Aunt Nora is fifty. What's fifty? asked the Pushkin. Why, half a century, of course. She's the eldest of us all, except your Aunt Priscilla. Well, I'll do my best with the Desmond, but he'll be rare and angry, I can tell you. His pride of birth is his greatest pride of all, and that chap Flanagan, why, he is... He is a clergyman of the Church of Ireland, said Margot solemnly. My father will think nothing of that. He knows only too well that he's the grandson of a labourer on the Desmond estate, and though he's old, he's ten years younger than your aunt. But keep it dark, Pushkin. I know you never let out secrets. I'll do my best for them, for your sake, my pretty sweet. But what a pair of fools they are, to be sure. Oh, Uncle Fergus, don't talk like that. If we can make them joyful, let's try. Let's try very hard. Blessings on you, Pushkin. I'll do my best for your sake. Now I think we must tidy up for supper. End of chapter 23 The Glorious Softness of Ireland Recording by Annie Mars